I've uh, titled the message, uh, Do Whatever He Says. We're dealing with our one big family all year long this year. Do whatever He says. Now, I want to read the passage of Scripture and I want to get to point one to illustrate, and, and I, want, I want to wait till point one to tell you what inspired me to bring this message today. Okay, but I will say this before we start. This is the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. And I want to deal with this up front. The issue is, that I want to deal with today is not so much the miracle that took place and what he did. Now let me just say this. There's a lot of debate on what exactly happened with, with the water and the wine and all of that. Um, <clears throat> and over the years I've, 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 I've taken some strong approaches and then I've, I've, I've continued to open my heart and mind to what all this means. I'm convinced on everything that I've read that, that what I read in Scripture and what I know about ancient history and ancient, the ancient world was that water was something that was very hard to get clean and to purify. And so wine was a very common drink. But wine in those days was not as strong as it is even today because the Bible condemns it. The Bible says about strong drink and, and wine do not be led astray by it, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So there's no way that Jesus, in my opinion, according to everything I know in Scripture, created something that would violate the Word of God. So I believe that the new wine that He created was, was something that wasn't strongly fermented, uh, it was, and it was watered down compared to anything that we have today. People can disagree with me on that all they want, um, and I, I stick to what I believe uh, the Scriptures teach me because I, I go at what, what's consistent with Scripture and what the whole of Scripture talks about. So I wanted to get that out of the way. I don't think it's what we would consider wine today, not, not totally the same thing. Um, I've had people disagree with me, and they have their, their right to their opinion. But that's not the issue of the message. So I wanted to get that out of the way so when we read it, I can jump right in on what the issue is, okay? So John chapter 2, would you stand with me? And I want to read the whole context so we can see it here. Beginning in verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Verse 4, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Verse 5 says, and this is what I want you to focus in on. Verse 5 says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples 
believe in him. Now, if you study the Gospel of John, you know that John only records seven signs, seven miracles that Jesus did. Only seven that he, that he focuses on. And all seven are specific and, and, and um, are, are laser sharp pointing to some aspect of him being God. And so John takes that unique aspect. This was the very first miracle that John records that Jesus did. And it was a cultural thing that took place. And it was an amazing thing. He took water and turned it into something that it wasn't. In the wine, freshly squeezed grape juice. It was a miracle that took place. But I want you to focus, and the whole point of this is, I want you to focus on what his mother said to his servants. Whatever Jesus says to you, you do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the attentiveness of your people here every week, how they just show great respect to your word and listen and apply it to their lives. What a grateful pastor I am to be able to preach to people who love your word. So, Father, help us fall in love even more so with the Savior of the word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. So, the title of today's message is, Do Whatever He Says. So, let me get to point one, okay? When I get to point one, I'm going to explain my rationale for this message today. Number one. In doing whatever he says, do exactly what he says. Do exactly what he says. Now, I had something interesting happen to me, and I believe that when you study God's Word and you're in God's Word, God will allow things in the culture and in life to happen that, that uh, emphasizes or, 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 or gets your attention about God's Word. And something that has nothing to do with it. For instance, this is what happened to me this week. I was drinking a cup of coffee. And I'll just be honest with you. I used to watch a lot of news. I don't watch a lot of news anymore. I I just get so tired of it. I get tired of all the arguing and all the political drama and all of that. That doesn't mean I shouldn't care. I do care. And it doesn't mean I don't have an opinion. I have a strong opinion. And it doesn't mean that I'm not this and I'm not that. I'm very conservative. And I believe what I believe. However... Man, I don't want to start my day depressed. <laughs> so, after studying God's Word or having a little bit of time with God, I'll drink my coffee and I'll turn it on. And guess what? At this time of year, what I watch for about 10 to 15 minutes every morning. I watch sports. Either Sports Center or, or sports talk shows if it's something that I'm interested in. I just so happen to turn it on FH1, Fox Sports 1 or whatever they call it. And it's one of their morning programs where the two guys argue about sports. And so I was starting, I was like, I don't want to watch this. And Chris Carter, who is a former NFL player, is an NFL um, or or a pro football Hall of Famer, said this. And he was talking about something that one of the Pittsburgh Steelers members said. And he says, let me tell you something. He says, my coach was Dennis Green. And one time I went to Dennis Green's office to ask him for an expanded role in the offense. And here's what Coach Denny Green said to me. He said, Chris, he said, I'm going to tell it to you, and I'm going to tell it to you straight. 
do exactly what I tell you to do, and you do it the way I tell you, exactly like I tell you, and you perfect it, and you continue to do it, and you do it game in and game out, practice in and practice out, then maybe I'll listen, and maybe I'll expand your role a little bit, but not until you do it exactly the way I tell you. I jumped up out of my chair, and I said, that's what Mary said. That's what Mary said to Jesus' servants, to his disciples. And she said, whatever Jesus tells you, you do it. You talk about getting fired up on Thursday morning when I heard that. I was like, man, I watched a sports program and I got something biblical out of it. And he didn't even know that he was quoting scripture when he said it. Just do it. Do it exactly like I coach you to do it. Do it exactly like I tell you to do it. And just do it. As a matter of fact, some versions say, His mother said to the servants, Whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. Nike came up with a phrase a few years back as their motto, and it says what? Just do it. Nike didn't come up with that. They plagiarized it from the Word of God. It comes from the Word of God, and it refers to Jesus, and it refers to our response to Jesus. And so, whatever He says to do, you do it. But I would go even a step further, and I would say, do it exactly the way He says to do it. When He tells you to do it, you do it. What He tells you to do, you do it. Where He tells you to do it, you do it. And how He tells you to do it. I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. You know, Penny and I have been married for 34 years. We just celebrated our anniversary last month um, while we were in um, Ecuador. And uh, 34 years of marriage together. And I tell people this, and I tell people when they come in for counseling and for premarital counseling, and I try to emphasize this. Yes, were we in love? Absolutely. We loved each other. And yes, we believed there was something that God was doing in our hearts. But the reason we got married was not because we loved each other. Truly and honestly, I can say this. The reason we got married, even as young Christians, was because we knew it was God's will. God put it within our hearts that we were going to be paired for life, and this is what it was going to be. And God said, do it. And we were 18 years old. I was 18. She was 19. She turned 22 days later. And I remember waking up going, happy birthday. Here I am. And she goes, that's not the deal, pal. But Anyway, we got married and we did it because Jesus said to do it. That's why we did it. God called me into the ministry. And He worked out some things. And He said, I'm moving you from the, from the bayous of South Louisiana. And I'm taking you to the big city of Dallas, Texas. I don't even have a pair of boots cowboy boots that is i had white shrimper boots okay that's what i had and everybody told us what are you doing you're gonna fail you're gonna fall flat on your face wait a year or two uh, go get an education in this area so you have something to fall back on something to fall back on god's calling me in the ministry what do i need to fall back on no we're gonna do what god said to do and we're gonna do it when he said where he said and exactly how he said and we did you do whatever He says to do, and you do it exactly the way He says 
to do it. Can I just say this, y'all? We as Christians sometimes, I'm not painting with a big brush, but sometimes we as Christians, because I know I've done it, we are arrogant and we think we know better than God. And that's the sin of pride and arrogance to do it our way. And God never intended for us as Christians. Listen, you are not your own. The Bible says this isn't your life, this isn't your body anymore. It's His. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God with your body. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible teaches us how we're supposed to do things, and we're to do it exactly like Jesus said. And the problem sometimes in our life and in my life is that I want to do it my way. And that's where we get in trouble. And Mary said, do it exactly. Okay, so look, I, I, gave, you, I, I gave you point two already. I didn't realize it. I'm, I'm just getting way ahead of myself. Number two, do it when, where, and how he says to. When, where, and how he says to. Look at what the Bible says in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, I preached a whole message on this a few months ago. Be strong and very courageous, God is telling Joshua. Be careful to obey my word. Obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now look at what he says. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So if you're not to turn from the truth to the right, or to the left, what does that mean? That means you need to walk the straight line of Scripture. You need to do what He says. You need to do what God's Word says. Do it where He says, when He says. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through His Word. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And listen, it may not be what everybody else wants, and it may not be what, what other people think. And let me just say this. If God lays something in your, on your heart to do something, please don't go seek counsel from an ungodly person. Because that ungodly person will lead you astray from the Word of God. And I don't care if they're your mama or your daddy or your spouse. If they're not in tune with God and they don't look at Scripture, rightfully so, they're going to give you wrong biblical advice. Because if God has confirmed it in His Word and He showed you what to do and He's leading you by His Spirit, it's okay to seek wise counsel, but make sure it's wise biblical counsel. And never do what man says if it goes against what God says. Do it when, where, and how he says it to you. You say, well, pastor, how does God speak to me? Well, if you're a Christian, he speaks to you through the truth of his word, through the Holy Spirit, into your heart. It's called our conscience. It's called our spirit. And you know. I've never heard God's audible voice. I say it like this, but I heard it more clear than that in my conscience, in my heart. I know it's right. I know it's right when He says to do it. And then you've got to do it. There are times when He says to do it, there's no reason to consult other people. You do what God says for you to do. Number three, do whatever He says. Whatever He says you do it. Number three, what you do reveals who you are and where you will spend eternity. 
Listen to this. What you do reveals who you are and where you will go. Listen to me. It's not just what you believe, but you actually do what you believe. So if you say you believe in the teachings of Christ, but you live contrary to the teachings of Christ, you really don't believe the teachings of Christ. You have a mental assent of it, but it's not in your heart. Until you obey it, you really don't believe it. I mean, you might believe, okay, I know that's the truth, but it's not applicable to your life until you do it. You see, the Word of God is full of do's. And those who do such things and do this and do that. And let's just be honest. Christianity's full of knowledge in the modern day time. Okay? And the Word of God says to gain knowledge. And listen. Gain knowledge and understanding and wisdom. It's not enough just to have knowledge. When you take that knowledge and you begin to apply it to your life, you have understanding. And it becomes wisdom when you start applying it to your heart and life. So what you do reveals who you are and where you're going. Look at this. This is a very clear scripture. Boy, look at this passage in Galatians. The acts of the flesh are obvious, meaning these people are not Christians. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery idolatry you say i'm not an idol worshiper Mm, do you care more about your truck than you do about god Hmm? just stop and hold that right there you know it blows my mind sometimes this was this actually happened there's a man that i know buddy he would not let anybody drive his truck but he had no problem for a dirtbag, dog-breath, teenage boy coming and dating his daughter and taking her out. And I told him, I said, you love your truck more than you do your daughter. Because you letting him take her, but you won't let him drive your truck. Think about that, huh? People that love their stuff more than they love God. That's idolatry. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions i mean man he's all over it and envy drunkenness orgies and the like i warn you as i did before that those who live like this in other translations it says those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of god Those who do those things, those who live like that, those who practice that. The things we do reveal who we are, and in in essence, when it reveals who we are, reveals where we're going to spend our eternity. If that list is something that, that we just read that you are engaging in and practicing and you live this way, it's not talking about a one time act of sin, it's talking about this is the way you live. If that's how you live, there's something missing in your heart. You don't have Christ because if you have Christ, He's going to change you. If you're constantly creating dissension, you're part of factions. I know some people that they're not living unless they're creating chaos in somebody's life. They're people 
full of factions in their heart and life. And so it says, what you do reveals who you are and where you go. So whatever he says to do, you do it. Are y'all following me? Am I making sense or is this just making sense to me? Because it's making sense to me. I don't know about you, but it's, man, it's all over me right now. And then number four, do whatever he says. Number four, what he, what, what he tells you to do will always line up with his word. And I wanted to point this out today because, listen, I have had people say, well, pastor, I don't think God wants me to be married anymore. And I say, why? And they say, well, you know, we don't, I don't think we love each other anymore. Okay? That doesn't line up with God's Word. It doesn't. We are commanded in Scripture. The Bible says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 5.33, Husbands, see to it that, you're lo- that, that you love your wives, and wives, respect your husbands. It's a command. It has nothing to do with love, or with emotion, or with feeling. That's what God says. When people tell me, well, you know, I believe God wants me to do this, and it's, and it's a sinful act. I'm like, no, that's not right. And they're like, well, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And God will never lead you contrary to His Word, right? He won't. Look at what Luke 6, 46 and 49 says, 46 through 49. Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see that word do again? There it is. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, those who belong to him will do what he says, okay? Next verse. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was it was well built but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation the moment the torrent struck that house it collapsed and its destruction was complete he talks about following his words and doing what he says A lot of things, y'all, that will last a long time, but there's only one thing that will last forever. Look at what Matthew 24, 35, on, on this earth. Matthew 25, 30, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 35, this earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but listen, but my words will never pass away. My word will never pass away. Jesus will never lead you contrary to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus many times in the New Testament reaffirmed the authority of the Word of God in the Old Testament. 
also. My words will never pass away. That's how important the Word of God is. And so I say all that to you to say this. Whatever He says to do, you do it. And what He tells you to do will always line up with His Word. It always will. Now listen, I don't mean to be ugly to you, but listen, I don't have time. If you come to me and tell me and try to get me to believe that God wants you to do something that's contrary to His Word, you're barking up a tree that will never listen. You're wrong. And if I'm the one trying to say that it's okay to do something and it's contrary to God's Word, I am not talking about just something that we might disagree about that, that, is not, that nobody really knows the truth to. We were talking about this in, in Bible study this morning in Sunday school. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh that he had. It was a messenger of Satan that came to buffet him. And there are some theologians that believe that it was a physical ailment. Some believe maybe it was a broken bone of some kind. And he had to ride everywhere and and walk everywhere. And he struggled physically. Others believe it was an ailment that he had internally. I don't believe either one of those. I believe, according to what he said, he goes, that everywhere I went, I had a, a, a messenger of Satan who followed me. I believe everywhere Paul went and established a new work and established a church, the Judaizers came in behind them. They're the ones who added to the free gift of salvation. They said, no, you have to obey the Jewish law and believe in Christ in order to be a Christian. And Paul said, no, it's not by the works of the law that any man is saved. It's through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And so they were coming in and trying to ruin what he had spent months and years working on, and then he would leave and go to another place. Now, I say all that to say this. I don't know if that's 100% true that that was the actual thorn in the flesh that he had. I know that was an issue for him, but I don't know if that's what it was. And so, you know, I had somebody came and tell me one day, you're wrong, it was this and it was that. And I said, no, that's your opinion. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, but we can speculate on it. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about things in God's Word that we can have different opinions on. I'm talking about the things that are super clear. And let me just tell you something, sir and ma'am, it is very clear meaning things in the Word of God on how we should live. It's not ambiguous. It's not difficult to understand. It's not complicated. It's not an allegory when he says, forgive. Or when he says, here is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, kindness, self-control, and, and, and on and on. No, those are real attainable things that we should be doing. And if that's an allegory, then all of the Bible is an allegory and it's all, then, then we're, it's all left to our own personal interpretation. And it doesn't mean what it means. You know, there are some people that say, well, God doesn't mean when He says whosoever will. It doesn't mean whosoever will. It just means some. And I'm reading that, and you study the Greek, and you, you, you look at that, and you realize, well, it means whosoever. It means anybody. Anybody that, that, that he's moving on. And we know, according to Scripture, that no one comes to the Father uh, unless the Father draw him. No one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. And I believe, according to Scripture, that the grace that, a, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's what the Scripture says in Titus. 
So everybody gets an opportunity so that we are without excuse when we stand before God. So, do whatever He says. Can I say this to you? Not in an academic way, but just in a practical way. You'll never regret obeying Jesus. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret doing the right thing. Look, forgiveness is something I talk about quite a bit. It's, it's, it's difficult sometimes, especially when you're hurt. It's easy to forgive somebody that didn't hurt you. <laughs> but it's hard to forgive when you've been injured. But you see, we complicate forgiveness. And we, 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 we put all this into this big soup of emotions and feelings. And we miss what's important about it. When we forgive somebody, we cancel the debt. It's an unemotional thing. It's a spiritual transaction that takes place. And we just say, you don't owe me. I'm letting it go. I'm forgiving the debt. You don't owe me anymore. Let me ask you this question. You have anybody, anybody ever owe you any money that never paid you back? And let me ask you this. And if you didn't forgive it in your heart, every time you saw them or saw them on Facebook or something like that, the first thing you thought about is, they owe me money. Right? Yeah. And let me just say this. If you loaned your kids any money and you don't forgive it, man, you're going to have a tally that your kids can never pay back. And so I have a policy. We don't loan anybody any money. We don't. Because of that one thing right there. What if they don't pay you back? What if, so we're going to give people money. If you know, I've had people ask before. They needed help. And I, I made a deal with them. I said, I'm not loaning you this money. I'm going to give it to you. Well, I'm going to pay you back. No, listen. I'm giving it to you. That's it. If, if you want to give something back, you do. But I'm never going to hold it over you. It's never. This is it. And I've had people pay me back like that and i've had people that haven't because they didn't ask for it didn't want it and we gave it as a gift but here's the point that i'm making if you if some if somebody hurts you 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 want to pay back and forgiveness says it's okay don't pay me back and when you do that as time goes on the emotions the proper emotions, the proper feelings will come. Because I've been hurt tremendously in my life, just like all of us have been. And when I finally forgave, oh yeah, I remember what they did to me, but let me tell you what I can't remember. I can't remember the pain of that injury anymore. Because forgiveness brought healing to me. Yeah, I can kind of, yeah, you remember when so-and-so, yeah, yeah, I 
remember that, but it, 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 it doesn't make me upset anymore. It doesn't hurt my heart anymore. You know why? Because God brought healing because we set in motion the transaction, a spiritual transaction of forgiveness. See, so when God says to do something, you do it. He'll take care of the details. He'll take care of the feelings in time. He'll work it out. You and I have to trust him. And Mary said to Jesus' servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And what, what a miracle he did when he changed that water into wine. And it, it blessed so many people at that place. It was a tremendous miracle. They didn't question him. They didn't ask why. None of that. They just did it. And when Jesus saw disciples that he was choosing, he said, you follow me. And they followed him. They left everything that they had and they followed him. You follow me. You follow me. You follow me. And that's what he did. And as a pastor, I'm not a, I'm not a long-term counselor. I'm not a, pro, a professional trained counselor. I'm just a pastor who believes the Word of God. And I can tell you this. Happy and joyful are the people who do what Jesus says. And weary and bitter and angry and unhappy and unjoyful are the people who do it their way. That's a fact. Whatever he says, do it. You'll never regret it. Trust what this pastor is telling you because I'm saying it straight from the Word of God. It came from Mary's mouth. That's great advice. You want godly wisdom and godly advice? Take it from Mary the one whom God chose to carry the Son of God into this world. That's great wisdom. And as I grow as a Christian, my whatever Jesus says do um, portfolio is growing because I'm learning Whatever Corey says to do, contrary to Jesus, ain't working too good for me. And I've learned, you do it your way, you get what your way can bring. Oh, you might think you've done something real good there, buddy. But it doesn't last. It's temporal and it has no eternal value. But you do what Jesus says and He will use the gift that He gave you to bless someone else, to bring Him glory. And when it's all said and done, man, you and I will have, you and I will have <laughs> heaven. Look, I said this the other, uh, yesterday. You know why God doesn't let us see heaven other than what we can read from God's Word? And to be honest with you, I read all these things in God's Word about heaven and I still can't, I, I still can't contain it. I'm studying right now about heaven and about how big the city of Jerusalem is, the new Jerusalem. Y'all, you won't believe it. it it's, my mind can't contain how huge this thing is. So if God ever lets us really see what heaven's about, none, none of us will want to stay here. Be like, bye, y'all. Be like, well, what about your kids and, 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 and wife and all that? <laughs> it won't be long. They'll be coming to meet me, but... I'm gone. See ya. If we really knew what heaven was all about. 
And when I do it my way, I get what my way can bring. I do it God's way, man. There are things that I have no idea that we'll find out when we get to heaven. Because you did something very, in your mind, that seemed insignificant, but you did what God told you to do at the right time, and God honored it. And somebody came to know Christ because of it, and you don't even know it. Whew, man. I am not smart enough to do this life on my own. And the longer I live, the dumber I become, and the smarter He is in my book. So whatever Jesus says, do it. When He says strong drink is a mocker and wine is a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise, I believe it. When He says that your, the body is a temple of God and He you know, who dishonors it with sexual morality, sexual morality, you sin against your own body, and that the body was not made for sexual morality, I believe it. When he says to forgive because bitterness is the spiritual cancer of the soul, I believe it. Because I've experienced a little bit of all this stuff. And it's not fun. I end with this. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought that I was the smartest person on earth, right? Hmm? I woke up one day and my mom and dad were dumb and they didn't know what they were talking about. Isn't that funny? I was thinking that while they were the ones providing a roof over my head. They're the ones who paid for my driver's license and paid for my insurance to allow me to drive. We didn't have cell phones, but I had a CB radio. They provided, they provided that. But yet, I thought I was smarter than them. But yet, I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to take care of myself yet. And man, I thought I knew. And I did some things that I'm not proud of. And, and if I could do it all over again, knowing what I know now, I would never do it. But let me just say this to you. There are certain places that I go next to and go by and, 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 and drive by. When I go back to Louisiana... That I smell what I smelt back then. There's certain, my mind goes back to it. Here's the last time I drank, I got so sick. I threw up on this business's uh, 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 parking lot all over the place. Oh my gosh, I was sick for two days. Every time I go back, it's behind the cinema. Every time I go back there, I can smell that vomit. You say, what does that have to do with this service? Because see, I was disregarding what Jesus said to do, and I was doing it my way. And I was getting what my way provided. And my life was heading down a horrendous road. But when the love and the grace of Jesus confronted my life, he changed me from the inside out. And now I'm committing my life to do what He says to do. It's that simple to me. Life is hard. 
But it's real simple. Do what Jesus says to do. He'll take care of it. Even if it doesn't make sense to you. Don't trust me. Trust him. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I hope that I have honored you by pointing people to you and your word. But God, as a pastor and one preaching the word, I need to apply these very things to my life just as much as anybody who's hearing what I'm saying. And I'm thankful that you never fail. Jesus never fails us. I'm thankful that we have a God who's alive, active in our lives, and working in our lives. And Lord, we know it, we sense it, we feel you, we experience you. Help us to be a people that would be like the servants there at the wedding at Cana. Whatever Jesus says, we'd be willing to do it, and we'd do it exactly how he says to do it. I can't imagine what our lives would truly be like if everybody in this building would start doing that. Wow. Revival would break out in this community. Satan would be on notice. And lives would be changed and rescued from the pits of hell. Because somebody at Jonesville Baptist Church got serious about doing it your way. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You know that this opportunity right now is for this moment. And God is speaking to you. I'm going to encourage you to do what He says. If he says you come to this altar and pray, and maybe you never do it, you do it. You do what Jesus says. If God is leading you to be a part of this fellowship and this family, you do it. If God is leading you right now to truly become a Christian, if he's spoken to your heart, don't wait. There's no promise that he'll move on you next week. Today is the day of salvation. You do what he says. And I pray it all. In Jesus' name, amen.